I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they want to talk about that week. Today, I am joined by my guest, Anna Maria Ruiz, for another episode of The Kettle is Hot. Anna Maria, who uses she, her pronouns, is a 27-year-old Afro-Latina who was born in Alabama but has lived in Texas for the last 22 years. She is a critical care registered nurse and a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Hey, girl. (laughs) I am so excited to talk to you. I don't even think you understand. Um, I was sitting here thinking, I like to tell the listeners how we know each other and it's funny because we just quote-unquote officially met through Joseph, right. who will be on later this late, on a later episode. But like, I have been creepily following you and your fiancé on Instagram for a while because oh y'all are goodness. goals. <laughs> and we have well, a lot of mutual friends. Like, well, you, like, I always see Joseph tag you and stuff. So I had always seen your name, and I was like, Okay, this is one of his friends or whatever. But like when he told me that you were like, oh, she loves y'all. And I'm like, what? <laughs> big fan, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I told you like that night he called me and Joseph and I literally talk all the time. We FaceTime all the time. We're, we've gotten to be really close friends. So like I tell people, you know, we've reached a new level of friendship when I answer FaceTime and my bonnet's already on. Like that's how you know. <laughs> but the night he called me, I was like, hmm. Oh no! So I texted him. I was like, "I am in bed and I look like death. What do you want?" And he was like, "Oh, I'm with your faves." And I was like, "I'll call you back in two minutes." Like I already knew <laughs> who was there. I was like, "Give me two minutes, cause ugh, y'all, you two are just goals, chef's kiss." So yeah, uh, I'm excited to talk to you today about you know, microaggressions and you being uh, Afro-Latina nurse who is in the LGBT community being here in Texas. So yeah, let's, let's jump on in. First, how did, how, did, how did you decide to become a nurse? My mother was a nurse and that's literally been everything I wanted to do since I was five. Like you could ask me as a five-year-old, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to get us. Like my mom. Um, and then when I was 16, I discovered uh, nurse anesthesia and uh, I started to like dig into that and how I would go about getting that degree. And that's how I became a critical care nurse because critical care is a requirement to be um, nurse, uh, nurse anesthetist, what it's called. Because you have to be, you have to have experience with people on life support, mechanical events, and airways and things like that. So 
It's pretty cool. I love it. I love being a critical care nurse. You see so much, you see so much shit. <laughs> it, yeah, I was just telling you before we started, one of my cousins is a nurse and, you know, my one of my grandmothers used to work at Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut. It's like, mm-hmm. I have such a respect for like medical people, like the hours y'all work, the work that you actually do, the years of studying you have to do to become in the wow. medical field. I'm like... <laughs> Four years of college was a push for me, and I love and I love school. Like it, I will read right. everything. Like I just have always been like such a bookworm. But I'm like, you want me to physically go to classes and do things every? No, Mm-mm. I will just get this little four four year degree and call it a day. So I I commend all of you who go out and do. It's medical people and lawyers. I'm like, whew, Chile. <laughs> I can't. Lawyers is a whole nother level of reading. I like I gotta read and pass the biggest test of my life, and I only. I'm good, y'all. And they have to like make you taste it. They have like books of it. They literally write. They write books on a daily basis. I'm like, no, that's not for me. Sorry. You know what I'm gonna do? Watch Law and Order. <laughs> Feel like I'm there and call it a day. So, <laughs> uh, right. yeah. So I th- I guess like what really. I've always wanted to have you on, but recently at the protest here in Austin, you had a sign that got you all this, all this shine out here. Um, and Whoa. if I remember, the the sign said, "What what color am I when I save your life?" Signed a black nurse. Okay. It's like you've been featured in BuzzFeed and Good Morning America, and just out here asking this very important question because I don't think people really understand how. <clears throat> racist people are in hospitals and patients right. and having to deal with racist racist patients in the hospital and still do your job and i've recently been seeing this image floating around again um from gray's anatomy because it's still on and it's still <laughs> one of my faves but there's an episode and i think like season one or two when miranda ba- <laughs> when miranda bailey saves this white supremacist who has a nazi sign on his body mm-hmm. and one of the white doctors says i would have let you die she's a better person yes. than i am and i'm like oh lay out here with the facts because if any for those of you who haven't watched like miranda bailey's is really short spunky black woman who was just killing it like she makes chief <laughs> later on spoiler alerts and she's just out here boss and just i can't i could talk about her for hours she's one of my favorite tv characters <laughs> But I think about that too of like we are asking medical professionals and people who work in in professionals that deal with you know direct clients or directly with with customers every day to put Mm. aside all of the stuff we have to deal with racist wise in order to get a job done because quote unquote the customer is always right. So when I saw you make that sign, I was like, oh she about to be she she finna (laughs) cause some problems out here. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk more about like what made you make that sign. Honestly, that has been a sentiment that I've had forever. Like, I feel like as a nurse, you're so respected, and then when you get on the street in jeans and a t-shirt, all of that is just you're a black woman now. You know what I mean? Mm. And so it's like, actually, first of all, I, I at first it was really cool to see how it blew up, but now it's getting kind of annoying and frustrating because people are like using my shit and not giving me credit for it which is a little <laughs> different we'll, t- we'll talk about giving credit to black people in in a moment continue <laughs> what is other black people i'm just like really guys like come on like i see my sign everywhere now I, at like every protest 
mm-hmm. from like different cities and, and you know pe- some people are really gracious like one girl she wrote she made my sign and then she wrote my at name at the bottom like she wrote my instagram name or one girl made my sign went to a protest took a picture and then tagged me in the picture when she posted it you know stuff like that and i'm like i did, i'm not doing it for clout you know that's not the reason but it's like these are my words this is you know these are my thoughts and you know, I literally got pepper sprayed holding this sign. Like <laughs> it's special to me, you know. Yeah. And it's you know, people just taking it and running with it. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> not cool. But the reason I don't blow it up is because that's not what it's there for. You know what I mean? It's there to start conversations. It's there to spark thoughts and you know, make people think like, wow, I, you know. Yeah, like you, you say I have the utmost respect for all medical professionals and nurses. And there are a lot of people out there like that because at one point or another, everyone's going to need a nurse or have needed a nurse or a doctor or whoever. So if you can respect me here, respect me here. Respect me at the grocery store too. You know what I mean? Like, And not so because I'm in scrubs, right? Like not because. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm a person. Like, but, um, that's really what kind of sparked it. It was just like, I was noticing like a, a double standard. You know, if I get pulled over, I get two or three tickets. But if I get pulled over in scrubs, they let me go. Mm. You know? So, it's just, I think it's something to think about and it's something to, like I said, spark conversations, especially with your coworkers and things like that. It's like, you know, a lot of people are giving me backlash for it because they're like, well, I, you know, as a fellow nurse, you're a nurse, you're just, you're someone on my team, you know, all I see is a nurse and someone who's saving lives like me. I'm like, well, well, are you outspoken about Black Lives Matter and things that may affect me in my personal life outside of the hospital? Because if you call yourself a friend of mine, someone on my team, you should care about my life outside of the hospital, you know what I mean? (laughs) We need to, we need to unpack that because that is... (laughs) A friend of mine hosts, she has a blog and she's been asking guest writers to come on and like write a post. A friend of mine is doing one about being trans and she Mm -hmm. asked me to come in. At first it was just about being like a black queer woman in Texas. But now with everything going on and, you know, me posting a lot of resources lately about uh, just like how to show up and be like a really like a good ally, not just a, a performative one. Right. And so that has just been <laughs> a thing on my on my mind because I mean the amount of text and calls and Facebook comments and Instagram comments on of you know white and non-black people of color being like oh, I finally get it and I'm so heartbroken and I'm so sad and you know how can I be here for you and blah 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 and so my response to them is like don't make this about you. You are right. asking me to help you hold your pain therefore taking away the space i don't even have for my own pain now you're yeah, you're asked, uh, your, your privilege is coming in and saying that your pain is more impactful than mine and the fact that you have known me for more than five minutes and me being your friend wasn't impactful enough like you having to see another black person die finally made that click in your head and matter i need you to unpack that too and I've been telling people, yeah. I'm like, don't ask black people to do the work for you. If you can Google where a local co- coffee shop is, if you can Google the title to that one time that person was in that movie, if you can find everything else, you can find out literally 
how not to be racist, <laughs> how to be a good ally. Like not that many right. words. I was like, but you know, you can't trust all resources. I'm like that's the same. Then like take that same energy. It, it, whew, I could just <laughs> that the excuses yeah, that people the excuses that people come up with when they're uncomfortable. And so like you yeah. you saying that about you having uh you know so people. Uh, quoting you and not giving you credit. Um, I recently did a panel a couple weeks ago and said a quote, um, change happens in the uncomfortable places. And I have been seeing a lot of people you like one woman made that her protest sign and like put my name in it. Um, but like today, like I saw another girl use it and like, like you're saying, I don't need the credit, but also like yeah. I said that during a panel with three black people as a black person in this space, talking to over 20 something thousand people, I need you, like that whole like people are like it's all about cloud. I'm like no, it's about the continuation of stealing from black culture and not giving us credit, and then getting upset when we ask for it. So then the gaslighting comes in about you know mm. this this pain and and the stuff we go through, and you know the fact that white people and non black non black people of color are so uncomfortable and want us to make give them permission that it is okay for them to feel. I'm like no no no, no one gives me permission to to have these feelings and unpack it so i and all black people have had to learn how to internally fix this shit because black people are always expected to perform to make other people comfortable and we're sick of it absolutely that's my tangent on <laughs> all the things because i am just my thing really is just like i'm not like i said it's not for clout but if you're not accrediting me for my words then to me it's you're doing it for clout Mm -hmm. that's, that's my interpretation of it like because I know I made a powerful statement if you know you got it from me and you're going to use it then to me that's literally stealing yeah. <laughs> like that's just my yeah. that's the way I see it yeah and that there's uh, if we're going to talk about like clout and you know there and, and I think when people st think stealing they, they mostly think about like money or progress or what have you but if we think about just the way like how social media and clout works right now, which is people buckle up because this is why I wanted to <laughs> have these Tuesday condos. I have seen so much performative allyship on Instagram mm -hmm. and social media as of lately. Mm -hmm. And that's on two facets. We have the people who will just reshare things and not talk yeah. about how it affects them at all. Or I have seen people who, you know, have these larger platforms and will write these whole things. But, you know, if you do a little bit of digging, you'll see that they don't have one black person as a friend. And I'm like, huh, that's fascinating. Or they'll use like, they'll have like black photographers or black writers or what have you, but never give them credit or do not pay them. And I'm just like, how can you say black lives matter? And yet you are literally perpetuating the shit that you are quote unquote so against by doing all these other things of not having black people in your immediate circle. And I'm talking like, if you can't think of a friend that you've had in the last like year to two years, who is a close person to you, who was black then I need you to do that work and not, and then also not tokenize us to just big, well, I have a black friend. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Diversify <laughs> your circle, hire people of color, particularly black people who are constantly underpaid or not paid at all for the work and stuff that we create and not giving credit for it. And, right. you know, if you think about uh, the other side of this is like these people with these large platforms who don't say anything, but sit and say, you know, I just don't know what to say. 
and blah, blah, blah. You are centering your uncomfortableness in this situation and you can honestly save your tears and not make a post at all. You telling me you don't know what to say means nothing to me. You know what that is? That's privilege. (laughs) (laughs) That is privilege. When you, when you can hide your uncomfortableness, black people cannot hide our uncomfortableness right now. It is costing us our lives. We have to tell people we are not okay with this. Mm -hmm. We have to scream it from the mountaintop to only like half, half of it will be heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, for you to be able to like just oh I'm just gonna I'm gonna step away from the mm-hmm. conversation that is privilege right there because it doesn't affect you directly right so that you don't whole, have to talk about it the I mean I've been seeing signs and posters and post everything else about white silence is violence I'm like yes you yeah. not saying any my friend's mom always says no answer is an answer and that shit i'm like yeah no saying nothing is the same as you saying something like if you say absolutely nothing to me you are, you are actually saying to me, you don't give a shit about the stuff that I'm going through because Absolutely. you are so worried about being uncomfortable or saying the wrong thing or what have you. Like, even if, like, let's change that. If, if you don't know what to say, say that post. Even if it's just like, I just am willing to listen. I am really checking my privilege right now. Like, there are so many things you can say and not center yourself and be like, I well, I have seen what I have done. I've seen how I've benefited from my whiteness, from my privilege. I am sitting with this and, you know, will continue to educate myself. And this is what it looks like. And then I don't, I don't need you to be like, well, I donated here and I'm reading this book. Just say you are doing the work and you have donated. Period. Right. Point blank. Don't try to clout this movement and make it about you. And also, this is a movement, not a moment. So don't think that this week you're going to be all Black Lives Matter and the next week we talk about something else like it's just like oh, i'm gonna do this this week and then next week i'm gonna do something else like we are humans and have you know capacity to be worried about several different things but i think right. that's the issue is like black lives matter movement has been around since 2012 2013 after trayvon martin was murdered right. so this mm-hmm. this isn't new to us <laughs> it's just black lives movement has been so vilified because they don't want black people to have a platform and i was watching a woman the other night who said you are lucky that black people only want equality and not revenge. Not revenge. And, yes, and I will welcome. post that video in the show notes because that video, she talks about how we have suffered. We suffered 400 years of oppression as slaves. We built, we, for the people who asked how we built this country, we were literally slaves and did free labor. So we built buildings. We picked cotton. That cotton was then turned into clothing. Like it, it's, it's there. I'm going to share the yep. video because she talks about it beautifully. And then we talk about, you know, after slavery, as we move into the civil rights movement, and we still had to deal with segregation, not being able to own anything. And then we go and make this new community, Black Wall Street, which I'll, po- I'll also share an article about in the show notes, we in Tulsa, we had a whole community of black owned businesses that was thriving, literally called Black Wall Street. And they came in, white people came in and decimated it because they do, they, for, for 450 years, white people have not wanted black people to succeed in this country because we get shit done. Like we, the whole like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, we have always done that. We have fought to even, you know, be in a room, let alone at a table. Like, so what are you right. even talking about again? feelings <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you no i think she equated it to like playing monopoly like she did yep 400 rounds of monopoly and you you can't win shit you can't earn shit and then those 50 those next 50 rounds you you get like this much you get like pennies to the dollar mm-hmm. and 
and you have to give it away or someone takes it right away from you and you don't like it so you burn the whole board like it's she talks about it beautifully i'm gonna i'm gonna literally was like how can you win a game that's rigged that's not Mm -hmm. set up for you to win that's literally america and black people like we were never meant to succeed in america never I don't think any other race other than white people were meant to succeed in America. Mm-hmm. Period. And then also, I, I think I talked it on, uh, I did a podcast a couple weeks ago, my, my, a friend of mine's show, but we also talked about this narrative around looting. And there's another mm-hmm. woman who I can't think of her name right now, but I'll find her speech. And she talks about how black people and non-black people of color, we learned looting and destruction and stealing from white people. From white people. Y'all yes. came in and took this land from native people, took black bodies and used them for for your benefit, either through slavery or, you know, trigger warning rape. Like there are so many ways that black people didn't even own themselves for 400 and so 400 odd years. And, you know, this this whole thing about, you know, people highlighting the looting and how it's so violent and everything else, you, white people did nothing but steal from us. I mean, how do you think museums exist? They steal culture. How, like, <sighs> tangents. I just, th- this, this narrative around, you know, when a black person does it, it is, it is negative. It is, it is, you know, I'm writing a blog post about this in language. Like, if we look at language and how angel food cake is white, and devil's food cake mm. is black. We talked mm-hmm. about how you don't want to be blacklisted. You don't want to be blackballed. You don't want to be blackmailed. You don't want to, you know, there are so many things in our language that highlight how being black is a negative thing. And right. that's done on purpose. So you equate blackness with wrongness. And so this idea of people who loot are stealing just to steal and destroy. No, if we look at the fact that during quarantine, what we're now going into month four of quarantine now, mm-hmm. and how you know we had these billion dollar companies who got bailouts of billions of dollars, but Americans only got $1,200 checks. And you're asking people now whose rent might only be $1,200. You're asking them to choose between having their home or feeding them and their families. So you right. have black people who are out here who are looting, but are looting like baby formula and wipes and meals. But you this see they need. <laughs> white people who are out here looting literally TVs and lamps and all other stuff. And I'm just like, let's really look at that and how it is. It is this this again this this narrative to perpetuate that black people do nothing but destroy because it's actually the mere opposite and has been in our society the whole time. That is literally everything I wanted to say about <laughs> microaggression. I'm serious because when I was thinking about what to talk about on here, I was actually, so I was doing my interview with NBC and they had cut most of it. So they only showed me like 10 seconds of my interview. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the most important thing that I wanted to say didn't get said. And I was like, Ooh, I got something coming up and I'm going to say it. <laughs> well, when you text me about it and I was like, Oh, I don't believe in the word microaggression. It is an aggression. Take the micro yeah. out of it. Cause it, d- it diminishes the impact. And, and I know a lot of people want to talk about, you know, my intention and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, your intention wasn't to, cause harm or you know say something you know that would hurt me but the impact outweighs your intention so you, you might did. have exactly. you know it's like people who's like i was intending on boiling a pot of water but if you don't tell me that pot of water is boiling and i go touch it the impact of that means i have gotten burned and i think a lot of people need to sit with that with microaggressions of black people 
in particularly, but I will even open it up to black and non-black people of color, if I can talk today, and how we suffered these aggressions over and over and over again from language or just being out in public. I was at a one of my favorite bars on the east side that I'm always there and I was standing at this bar and I'm really big on like my personal space like I worked in food service I love going out and being at restaurants and bars but you know you leave that proper perimeter no matter how close that bar is you keep space so I'm sitting I'm standing at the bar waiting for a beer and this really tall white man comes up and literally stands in my bubble there is about 10 feet of space, but he literally stands in the space where I am in. And I look at him and he looks at me and I was like, huh, must be a tight fit. No one else is around. And he looked at me and I was like, you can back up. Like, you don't need to be this close to me. And I was waiting for him to say, I don't see you there. And before I said, I'm like, I, I know you see me standing here. And people are like, right. well, you're five, four. I'm like, my hair is huge, girl. Like, you can see me. So like... <laughs> And for me, like, I will, I call out microaggressions so oftenly, sorry, aggressions oftenly, because I don't think white people understand how often they do it. Because they think this world is theirs and, and, and we are all supposed to just find our spot in it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm here. I am very vocal. I have very big hair. And this is all done so that you can't say you can't see me. And so I want people to talk about, to really sit with that of like, especially white people who listen to this, think of how many times you have aggressed against black people and non-black people of color in your day to day. It can be expecting them to move when you walk down the sidewalk, which mm-hmm. I have done the sidewalk test and people get real uncomfortable when I don't move. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm in my space. <laughs> right. Y'all know you're supposed to rock on your right hand. So I'm exactly. walking. If you're in the middle, that's your problem. I'm not moving. Like, down aisles, down sidewalks, all the things. I just want white people to sit with that and realize how privileged they are to not even have to think about how aggressive they are towards black people every day. Or like, you know, I, I have had the blessing of not having to deal with overt racism and discrimination, except for like once. And it was back home in Connecticut. I was taking one of the kids that I nannied to Chick-fil-A. And I, in the way the drive-through was, it was like in the parking lot. So like people were trying to back up and get in and what have you. So I saw a car trying to back out. And so I had looked back twice and I have a rear view camera. And so I looked back twice and then backed up and there was no one behind me. And I allowed this car to back out. But in the time that I turned back around, another car had pulled up and my reverse lights were still on, but I wasn't moving. And so this white woman is blaring on her horn and I'm not even moving. And so we pull up and it's like the two lane um, drive through and she is cussing me out. I'll take that car. Da, 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 da. You almost hit me, blah, blah, blah. And I roll. I'm like, are you talking to me? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, don't you understand me? Blah, 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 blah. Go back to your country. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So now she's lucky because I tell people all the time, if there's a child around, I, that's the only time I will rein it in because <laughs> I don't right. want these kids to get triggered. But I calmly wrote on the window, I was like, first of all, ma'am, you racist bitch. I'm from here, born and raised up the street. Boom. How racist of you to assume that I'm not from here just because I have big hair and I am black. I was like, secondly, I was nowhere near you. Maybe if you checked yourself, we wouldn't have this problem. And I was like, now if you want to pull up and get out your car, we could talk about that. But don't you dare call the police because you came at me crooked. Mm. 
and shook to me and got right back in her car rolled, her, rolled up her window. I said, because I am not the one. Exactly. Never. White Never. people always, they want to provoke. And then when black people kind of, you know, all we do is step up for ourselves. All we do is respond to you. Want to have, do you feel like a decent human? And we are in yeah. the wrong for wanting that. But you are okay to be cussing my ass out in the middle of the day in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. Because if somebody else came at her like that, she, she, she would have been all up in their face too. Because she got know. up on your face for nothing. I don't know if you've seen it. There's an Instagram page that a friend of mine recently shared and it's literally it's like it's something about like the audacity of karen and it's just moments of white women flipping out for no reason and i literally <laughs> watched the day and just laughed for 20 minutes because it's just videos of of white women oh constantly provoking people and then getting upset when people say something back there was this one woman who was like crossing the street i guess and this car was like pulled up and like you know how you like pull up too far and like you're in the crosswalk and so this car is parked at a red light, but in the crosswalk, she is beating on their door. She is ripping their door open. She is doing all this stuff and then turns around, gets to the corner and yells at them more. And I'm like, you know what you could have just done? Walked around the car and kept going because they were nowhere near hitting you, girl. Oh, my goodness. So I, I also show that in the trade notes because I, I just want people to see the shit that people have to deal with because people who are like, you know, Karen is, is a slur now. I'm like, the fact that y'all want to sit here and cry your white woman tears. They want to be oppressed so bad. They want Ooh. to be oppressed so bad. Like, white people really want a reason to feel like, you know, oh, I, I, I'm being victimized. Or like, they're victimizing themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I'm being, you know, everyone's being mean to me. And, da, 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 da. and it's just like, right. yes, no, it's not every white person is racist. But, like, this is what I tell my white friends. When they want to, when they ask, them, what can I do? Talk to your white friends. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like. You are in white space. You are in non-people of color spaces so much more often than, than people of color. Right. It's your families. It's your, you know, your friends, your, your getaway weekends, your, your holidays or whatever. Have those conversations with them. You don't have to educate black people. Black people know. Black people are what's going through this right. shit. Talk to your racist family members. Talk to your racist friend. It takes two seconds to say that joke was inappropriate and highly racist. Right. Two seconds. I want to... And that's like literally like why... That's why I want to talk about aggressions is because I've not had any like blatant overt racism experiences either. You know, mm-hmm. I usually... It's, it's, it's like, oh, you're so pretty. What do you mix with? Mm. Oh, you're... Yeah. Oh, you're so you're pretty for a black girl. You speak so well for, you speak so you're well. You're so articulate. You, oh, Micro. And, you know, I'm, I'm half Puerto Rican. So when I speak Spanish, oh, did you learn Spanish in school? Did you marry a Hispanic man? How do you know Spanish? How did you learn Spanish? I'm just like, what? <laughs> or like my coworkers. I'm literally one of two people on my entire unit who speak Spanish. The entire, out of like, I don't know, 50, 50 nurses on that unit. Me and one other guy speak Spanish. And literally when someone needs a translator, they will go up and ask every single other person but me, mm-hmm. do you speak Spanish? And I literally will walk into the room and just start speaking. Oh, oh you speak Spanish? Oh, really? How? I'm just like, oh my God, are you like, give yeah. me uh, Not just like black people, Hispanic people, we come in all colors, shapes, sizes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like, microaggressions or aggression is the heart of racism. Mm. 
aggressive, like the the stereotypical, like every what you think about every black person, that is racism right there. Because every like you, the narrative that every black black people are ugly or lazy. I get so many shocked comments when I tell people I want to get my PhD, or when I tell people who don't know I'm a nurse that I am a nurse. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like they're like just sh- utterly shocked and surprised that I you know make the money and I have a good job. You know, and it's like, or, oh my God, this is, this is the worst one. And I hate it to death. How many kids do you have? What? First of mm-hmm. all, I am gay. First of all, second of all, I have no children at all. So how dare you ask me how many, you didn't mm-hmm. ask me if I was married. You didn't ask me if I was taken. You didn't ask me anything that, that prefaces. You just assume. Children. Yep. Yes. So it's just, uh, that to me is a microaggression. Not, I have nothing against women who have children, but don't assume that I have children just because I'm black. Right. Like, and that's my thing too. Uh, like, I think people still think racism is this overt thing that it was during segregation and it's not, it's, it's very, not. <laughs> it's very covert now. And so like you're saying, like we coming in, like the whole like trope or like, you know, me, I was like, I never, I'm like, I have my bachelor's like, but I have no intention of going back to school because I'm like, I'm not paying a lot of money for a thing that that's just me. Like I, the institution of education right, you know. is just not for me. But like people hearing like all the things that I have done, you know, on, on, quote unquote, only having a bachelor's degree, like you've done so much in your life and you're so young. I'm like, do you, that whole trope of like black people being lazy is a microaggression to go back to the times of like trying another like underlying version of racism is stereotypes. Like yep. black people being seen as lazy. We were slaves for 400 years. We don't know how to be lazy. Or (laughs) if I want to take a damn break because I am so sick of tired of being sick and tired of your shit, I'm going to take a break because it is exhausting being a black person in this country. We are not allowed to mourn when black people die. We are not allowed to bring our whole selves to work. We are expected to be, again, perform to make white people comfortable. Code switch. Uh, that episode's coming. I talked, my friend Lamar is this week's episode and we talk about code switching that whole episode. So, um, mm-hmm. but my, another thing you, you brought up that made, that triggered this thought in my mind of like white people want to, want to be so oppressed. And I'm thinking about what's going on with all the protests right now. And I was just watching one of the police bosses from New York talking about how the media is vilifying police and someone takes that audio and overlays it with all the t- all the examples of police abusing people during these protests, and then Ugh. saying like, "I am so proud to be a cop," and we we are disgusted with what happened in Minneapolis, but you know we are good cops, and it's literally every example in New York or the or surrounding areas of every time a police unprovoked like attacks a protester and it's just like y'all want to sit here and switch this narrative of you know we don't deserve to be defunded we're doing really great work and i'm like you mean literally 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 going in and causing trauma they were like stop treating us like thugs and criminals and i'm like the same language you use about like every other black person that you get get out of here just two cops in, in New York were arrested for pushing this old man. Yep. A seven-year-old man who was just walking down the street. Pushed him. And he was bleeding on the ground. You know, the nurse in me was like, oh, my God, he's going to have a fucking hematoma. Like, I was tripping because, like, he didn't do anything to anybody. Like, oh, and he was a white man. And, yes, mm-hmm. I cared about his life. You know what I mean? Like, again, my sign. It does not. Mm-hmm. I don't care what color you are. Like, I'm going to save your life. 
Yeah. Why can't police have that same concept? You don't, it doesn't matter what color I am. Protect me like you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. That is your job. And like so, you're saying with white people, you need to talk talk to your people. Like this whole trope about cancel culture is very, very dangerous during this the black the, this movement. And you know, the white people who are like, Well, I'm not talking to my family anymore because they are racist. And I'm like, who's that for? Me or you? Because right. you not talking to your family does nothing for me because right. you can actually talk to them. They're not gonna talk to me exactly so if you don't sit there and have those them, right y'all white people are so afraid to be uncomfortable and they never had to be whoo and so they every time someone's like you know i stopped talking to my uncle because he's racist or i stopped talking to my neighbor because you know they're too conservative and blah blah, blah. i'm like what's that privilege like because i still have to mm -hmm. show up and that that's the thing like black people don't just show up as ourselves we literally represent every other black person so you showing up as a nurse has now, you have now shown that black people collectively are allowed to be more than what the stereotype was. Or me, you know, doing all these public speaking events, having this podcast, doing all these different things. I can show that black people are able to have multiple in interests at one time, which God, Absolutely. what a concept. You know, mm -hmm. like I don't, I don't have the privilege of just showing up as me. And that's like what you're saying, like black people are thugs and thugs and you know, all these other things that collectively all black people, we that now have to fight against all of that on top of trying to just live our lives for us as a single person. When I have other patients, when I have patients who are not black, I do like I like I do feel like, you know, I'm the face of the race in that mm -hmm. moment, you know. But to me, I'm like, I'm gonna be the best fucking nurse you ever had. That way when you walk out of here and you decide you wanna talk shit about black people, you're talking about me now. You're talking about somebody who helped you in your darkest hour and somebody who made it a little bit easier for you to walk or whatever, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the case is, you know, like now you have to think you have to stop and think is this really all black people is this every single one of them you know what i mean mm -hmm. so that to me i feel and i and maybe i shouldn't take on that burden for myself but i feel that responsibility every time i have a patient who is not black or not hispanic yeah. i feel like when you show them the goodness in you then they can you know even though they'll probably have their own uh, misconceptions about you when you walk in the door Mm -hmm. but you, you at least I have the opportunity to shadow that and to rebut it with good behavior and you know whatever what I can just what what am I trying to say you can counteract whatever whatever okay. bad things they think about me I can just you know wash Show it away the opposite. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's, it's <laughs> both of us exhale at the same time <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I feel like there's so much work to be done, and then I'm like, why the fuck am I doing any work anyway? Like I've we've done enough. Black people have done enough, and that's okay. the part. Black people have done enough, but also Ugh. at the same time, people who are out here protesting, and you know, my friend Warren was this last week's episode, um, and he and I were just texting. He goes, you know, all these you know new baby protesters who are you know finally joining the movement. He's mm -hmm. like, I want, he's like, yes, I want them to learn. I want them to be out there. He's like, but I also need them to know just to show up and shut up. <laughs> like yeah. white people coming into this Black Lives Matter movement, we are capable. Let me say this to everyone. Pay attention. White people. Black people are capable of running our own shit. 
we do not need you to show up and teach us how. It's like if you went to someone else's house who invited you to dinner, but you start cooking in their kitchen. Yes. That you yes. don't do that. We are able, we have been doing this work. And that's the thing too. Black women in particular, we show up for everybody. Everybody. The environmentalists, the LGBTQIA plus community, you know, everyone who needs people to surround and uplift them. That's why you see a lot of black women who are nurses, who work in social work, who do all these things. Like we are natural born givers and nurturers and we will show up every single time. So I need all of you people to finally fucking show up for black women, black people, black non-binary folks. And when you show up, just get in line. And by getting in line, I mean, there's a, there's a video of this white girl who literally jumped a fence to be a physical barrier between a black boy and black and these cops during a protest. That is how you show up. You literally for once put your body on the lines, the way our bodies are constantly taken from us through murder, through jail, through all these other ways. And you show up that way by just showing up and stepping in physically. You keep, you make sure we are safe by you using your body to everyone's safety as a barrier for us Mm -hmm. white because cops period are going to be way more hesitant to shoot a white person than a person of color particularly a a white girl at that women are so treasured in in america and i feel like white women are so just like they are the the american they can do no wrong hence how the karens are born yeah and that's my thing too like i have a lot of you know white activists which Great. I love that you were doing things. But I need people to stop paying the playing the well, my my hardships are bigger than your hardships. I'm like, I don't have the energy to do this with you. And I'm not diminishing the fact that, like, yes, as a white person, you can also be part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And yes, as a white person, you can also, you know, be differently abled. And yes, as a white person, you can, you know, have all these other things stacked against you. But you are still white, and white voices are constantly centered. And so don't ask me how to help center your white voice during the time, during, especially during this time right now. Yes, it is Pride Month. Great. Pride Month wouldn't exist if a black woman and a woman and another woman of color didn't start the Stonewall Road. Right. Mm-hmm. Pride wouldn't exist if it wasn't for people of color. So y'all need to sit with that for a minute. Black pe- Again, black people constantly show up. And so white people right now who are activists and advocates and everything else, stop trying to center yourself. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that you don't matter, but in this current predicament, the, during, especially during this time right now, not about I, you. I, it's not about you. And, mm. you know, we right now, you know, have a bunch of different things going on in Austin. Um, like there's a Human Rights Commission um, statement that they want to get pushed through to city council. Mm. And there's a bunch of, you know, we're talking about defunding the police. Like we are able to care about different things at different times. I totally get that. But there's this, this trope of the, 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 the I'm worse off than you are offs. I'm tired of it. I'm not, and I don't have the energy anymore. I, I'm not, I'm not holding back. I told people like, if I come up out of this black lives matter movement and quarantine with no friends, because I spoke my truth and I told you I don't have time for your shit. That's fine with me. Because you, you telling me that what I say hurts your feeling is a microaggression against me using my own voice. Right. You can't ask me how I feel and then get upset when I tell you how I feel. Boom. What, did you want me to just be, your, your feelings matter more than my feelings? No. 
Fuck that. Exactly. You asked me my opinion. I'm, I'm so sick of black people and then black people who hold, you know, all these other facets of their lives, queer, woman, all these other mm. things. And mm. you, and you know, the erasure of our feelings to again, make white people comfortable. And mm -hmm. so I, I just want a lot of people to sit with that because I just don't have the energy anymore. We are black people are so tired. We are 450 years of tired. I was listening to a podcast last night that was like, oh, it was the read. And Crystal made the comment of, you know, we aren't allowed to, we're lucky if we get to the fifth grade and don't find out about racism because we've right, exactly. experienced it. Like you all are just now showing up and, and you needed visuals. We right. don't, we don't need visuals because we actually were there and saw it either through family or stories or other things we've been paying attention to. So yes, you, you, we welcome you. We are happy that you were educating yourself, but don't ask us to do the work for you. Don't ask us to hold your pain. Don't ask us to center you in this narrative. Don't, don't ask us shit. There are, there are resources out there. You can use Google or you can pay black people because there are, there, Rachel Cargill is a great example of a person whose work this is who you can pay or the resources already exist. So stop mm -hmm. asking your black friends to check and make sure the sounds right before you post it. Stop asking, you know, what picture should I use with this post? It's not about you. This isn't about the clout. Just don't, just don't be tone deaf. Right. And that's all. <laughs> and I'm on my soapbox. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love how you end every statement with like a, like a mic. It's like a mic drop. <laughs> you're like and that's all i had to say <laughs> but literally, like i've i've thought about the same thing like i'm gonna use it's like a visual i know you can't see me but like i've i've said like as far as white privilege goes yes you are probably a woman lgbtq poor socioeconomic status uh disabled that like now i what four fingers up right you're still not a woman, LGBTQ, poor socioeconomic status, disabled, and black. Like, mm -hmm. that's literally, like, you have to, people have to understand that's one more notch in our belt that you don't have, or, like, that's one less notch for you because you don't have to deal with being black. You mm -hmm. have to deal with being yourself, but you don't have to deal with being black on top of it because the problem with, the reason it's so hard to be black is because people don't really stereotype white people not as much as they stereotype black people right definitely not as much so like when you put my black you're putting my black in a box that is that is the stereotype narrative right there putting my black in a box makes it hard for me to be myself that means i have to be um loud or or aggressive ghetto. right i have to be these things for you and or if welfare I'm not, queen or you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which perpetually there are more white people on welfare than black people but they didn't want you to know. but no one wants to have that conversation but it's so, fine i'll sit over here have you seen oh have you seen that video with that girl who's like arguing with her parents about racism and the, the girl in the bathroom i don't know if she's in a bathroom okay I she saw the bathroom? but she's like she looks like she has to be a teenager but she's talking to her parents about like you know her parents are like i i i know the black people i work with them and all they want to do is is you know fuck off the government or live off the government and you know they don't want to work and they just want to be lazy they don't want to you know you know take opportunity and she's like they don't have opportunities they don't they do not have the same opportunities as you and me you know and so the mom was like um 
why do more people, more white people get killed by the cops than black people? And the, the girl was like, there are statistically more white people in the population than black people. Black people make up 13% of the population. If black people were getting killed at the rate as white people, only, I think, eight, there were like 8% of people who get killed by the cops would be black. 24% of people who get killed by the cops, that's three times as much as it should be, are black. Proportionally, statistically, it doesn't make sense. White people, the, the amount of white people who get killed by the cops is about where it is, considering the population and the number of white people compared to black people. But the number of black people who get killed by cops are three, it's three times higher than it should be. Mm -hmm. How, how, and how, how, how many, I think it's like 50% or 60% of people in jails are black, but only 13% of the population mm -hmm. is black. Like it makes, it's so utterly blatant and out there and in your face. So if you don't see it, you just don't want to see it or you don't have to look at it. That's just, so why, I don't know. Why do I know these statistics? And, and they can be found on Google, but you're asking me what, what I can, what I, you need to do for me to make you feel better. That makes no fucking sense to me, but that's all I have to say. <laughs> and Mike dropped. Mike dropped. No. Uh, this um, has been such a good conversation and Lord oh knows God. I needed it. Cause I was like, I just need to I'm sit sweating. I'm sweating. Like, this is yes. so strange. Then my job is done. If you don't come on the <laughs> show sweating, what do we talk about? <laughs> I will be sure to link everything we talked about in the show notes. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I will also thank link you. your shirt because you're selling your shirts now. Am I making this up? Yes. Uh, I listen. <laughs> <laughs> they are literally like everything. It's just what my sign says. I have them in black and white. And then I made a couple more for black EMTs or black paramedics or black doctors, black other black uh, members of the healthcare system. Um, so, cause it's true. What color am I when I save your life? You know what I mean? You can save someone's life and I could put, you know, black, black psychiatrists, black therapists, you know, like mm -hmm. there are different ways to help someone, you know, and I do want to branch out and make more, but um, I just, I want people to, I really want people to realize like, if you're cool with me on the job, or if you're cool with me and my scrubs, or if you're cool with me, you know, having lunch or whatever the fuck, you need to care. You need to care about mm -hmm. my life outside of it because I'm going through shit that you will never, ever, ever go through, mm -hmm. ever. So if you say you love me, you say you're my friend, then understand my struggle. Stop saying you don't see my color. See my color. See me. If you say, first of all, say you don't see my color, number one is a blatant lie. That's the first thing you see when somebody walks in the motherfucking room. It is a lie. And two, <laughs> and two, you not seeing my color is literally, like we, our experiences make us who we are. So if you do not see my color, you don't see me at all. You don't understand why I act the way I act. You don't understand why I say the things I do. You don't understand why I take this way to work instead of this way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you just don't get it, right. you know? You don't see my colors because you don't want to. You don't want to address the fact that I'm black because you don't want to have these conversations because you don't want to have to sit here and be uncomfortable because you have fucking privilege. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, we're wrapping the show. Do not start. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, okay, I have one more thing to say. Yes. I'm sorry. 
I'm probably on a timeline, but whatever. <laughs> when people say, you know, just get over it, racism, or, you know, say, slavery was 400 years ago. Microaggression, by the way. Don't tell black people yeah. to get over their struggles. Go ahead. Exactly. Validate me. Validate my feelings. But trauma is genetic. Oh, we talked trauma? about this. This is also my episode with Lamar coming up. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Inter- we talk about intergenerational trauma and epigenetic. I know people, I know white people love Frozen. I love Disney. I watch every Disney movie. You know, in Frozen 2, Olaf, the fucking snowman from Olaf says that water has memory. At least, I think our body is made of 80% water. And all of the water in your body has been through at least four generations before you. Mm. So, okay, nurse. I'm just I saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. My the blood, the water in my blood has been through my grandmother, my great grandmother, and her mother. And I know one of them was a slave. <laughs> like, hello. No way that they were not. And if yep. they weren't, and if they weren't, then they were abused or some type of you know, black woman in the 1800s. There's oppressed. no way she. Yes, right. there's no way she was not oppressed. So. For me to carry that in my day-to-day life, for you to carry that in your day-to-day life and still see the shit on TV, still go to protest, still try to make your voice heard, still try to vote every fucking year. Like, it is exhausting. So when we say we're tired, girl. We've been, we've been tired <laughs> for centuries, y'all. For centuries. <laughs> I'm sorry. I You're fine. Your no, I, we could talk all day. That's the problem. It's like we gotta. <laughs> the people are gonna demand. We'll have to have you back for another one because, girl, I could talk to you for days. We could just also talk on the phone see. and talk about this because, as you can see, I'm here for it. I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. I love you. Thank you for having me. I, I love school. you. I have oh. one more question before we let yeah, you okay. go. What is the best advice you were ever given? Or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? I like to end on a high note. So yeah, I yeah. have a little bit of a little oomph. So yeah, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? The best advice I was ever given was by my father. I love my father. I'm such a daddy's girl. But um, he's, he used to say the best. I, I have, I can be, I can have this, ang- I can be that angry black woman that people like to label, you know, label you You can't as. see Anna, but she air quoted it. Don't you dare say I did, I air quoted it. <laughs> Because um, my parents, you know, my parents had a rough divorce and I, I, for the first, yeah, I don't know, maybe five years of my life, not five years, but like when I was five, from the time I was about seven, there was a lot of anger, a lot of intensity, you know, and I feel like I carried that with me um, for the most part. Um, not anymore. I've gotten over it. But when I was younger, I just did not understand, like, it's not fair. You know what I mean? Anything that was not fair it would be so like, it would take it, I would take it to heart and it would make me so angry. And my dad used to say the best revenge is living right. The best revenge is being happy. The best revenge is moving on and living your life. And I did not understand that. But as I got older, I realized like when someone's hating on you, when someone thinks the worst of you, it will drive them insane that you are happy and that you don't give a fuck what they think. It will literally drive them insane that you do not care because they want you to care. They want to bring mm-hmm. you down with their thoughts and their, you know what I mean? 
Oh, that's so, how I've been living this year. I've, a lot of my friends have been asking, like, you seem so calm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just don't have any energy to care about bullshit anymore. <laughs> I'm just out here exactly. living. And if you don't like it, that's not my problem. That's that's your stuff, and you'll figure it out. But your your energy has nothing to do with me, and I'm just be over here living. And if you don't like it, that's on you. Bye. Have to realize it is someone else's. It, that, and Ashley still to this day has to tell me, because people will stare at her all day long. She's, she's a masculine woman. Mm. And, you know, pe- people stare at her all day long trying to, you know, they're either giving us dirty looks or trying to figure out if she's a boy or a girl. And I just like, why are you, it is, first of all, everyone knows it's rude to stare. It's fucking, it's common knowledge. Why are you staring at this woman like she's a zoo animal? You know what I mean? It makes me mad. And she has to tell me like, babe, we are happy. That is mm. their problem. Woo! We, this is us. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think the best, that's the best advice I've ever gotten. It's just learning how to not care about, you know, what other people are saying about you, what they think about you. And just living your truth. That is the best advice I've ever gotten. What I would tell myself as, you know, my younger self, which is kind of an extension of this, is like, I used to care so much about what people thought of me. I used to want to be wanted. I wanted to be told I was beautiful. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to have all this attention. And I had to realize, like, what does it matter what someone you've never met, who you know nothing about, thinks about you? Mm only thing that matters is what you think about yourself when you look in the mirror girl i woke up this morning i looked in the mirror i was like hey sis like i was feeling myself i was like okay like the best thing you can do for yourself is learn you and then love you that's that's, it's so Mm -hmm. cliche but i promise you when you think about it you have one body you will always have this body you will always look the way you do you know what i mean there's no, you will always have your thoughts. You are you. And there was only one you, you know? So the same way you love your best friend, the same way you love your sister, the same way you love your parents, the same way you love your husband, love yourself that way because they, there was only one you and they love you just as much, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's all I got to (laughs) say. And that's really my, I am the sweetest person. I, that's my narrative. I am, I, people tell me all the time, you're bubbly, you're so kind, you're so giving, you're so happy, you're so this. So this, I think it's why I'm so passionate about this because people tell me, or people try to put me in a box, like, oh, angry, or you're loud. Or blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you don't know me at all. Right. You do not know me at all. And I feel like black, black is a description. Black is not a personality trait. Mm. Black is not a moral compass. Black is not, you cannot assume anything about me because of my color. The only thing you can assume about me is that I have been oppressed. That is the only thing that you know to be true about me because of my color. Anything else, let, get to know me first. Anything else is premature. It's false. Let me show you who I am before you assume anything about me. And we're done. <laughs> and, we're, and we're out. That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com and visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to you all later this week. Bye. <laughs>